Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are close to the end of a sermon series that we've been calling The Quest for Wisdom as we walk through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, which is one of the Bible's most real texts, real life experiences that we have. Solomon, in his writing of the book Ecclesiastes, pulls no punches. He, he doesn't spare us the pain of this life, but is as open and as honest as one can possibly be about the things that we will face in our lives. And so this week, we come to a passage where Solomon shares with us some wisdom of what it's life like to live our lives young and old. So if you're going to follow along in the pew Bibles that you have in front of us, we're going to be pretty much exclusively on page 559 this morning as we take a look at young and old. And, and this kind of cooperation, this kind of collaboration between young and old isn't always seen in our lives. I mean, maybe uh, your life is different than mine, but when I was young and, and still today, I don't always want to do the same thing that the parents want to do or that the other generation wants to do. And maybe this was even more the case when I was younger. You see, a lot of times when it's young, it's verses old. It becomes a fight. It becomes adversarial, like there's some sort of difficulty between the people. And this is true even in the church as we think about from one generation of believers to the next generation of believers. Is every generation of people alike? No. And so as we think about passing the mantle, passing our beliefs on to the next generation, the the older generation has to be ready to pass the baton. But the younger generation, likewise, also has to be ready to receive the baton. Have you ever seen a relay race in the Olympics where they're doing the four by 100 relay and they just fumble the baton and they get disqualified? Sometimes that's potentially what will happen in the church as we think about our lives together. It's not young versus old, it's young and old. And so Solomon in our text today calls us to help each other remember God's great promises. Because if you're anything like me, uh, you could be forgetful. I've been forgetful my whole life. Like when mom tells me as a little boy, Matthew, clean up your room. Well, of course I was going to clean up my room. I just forgot to clean up my room. So, so mom gently at first, right, gently said, well, this is your reminder. And then the reminders would get more fierce as I was reminded over and over. And maybe this is the case today. Now that I'm an adult, I have to give reminders to my children about things I've told them to do. And maybe my wife has to give reminders to me about things I said I was going to do. And so it's just a continuing process. But young and old were called to help each other remember God's promises, and his promises are life and truth and love for you and me forever. Uh, When I was in seminary a couple of years ago, I met our seminary president, Dale Meyer, and he's what one would consider part of that older generation. 
He's, uh, he's in the latter days of his life, but he still has a great appreciation and love for sharing God's promises with other people. Recently, on call day, when a bunch of pastors learned the churches that they were going to go to, he shared a, a blog post about passing this mantle of leadership on to the next generation and how we're going to have to start enabling people who are younger than us to share the gospel. We're going to have to start letting them take over and take the reins as we kind of step back. And so he talked about some of the difficulties, especially in churches, when it comes to control, right? And leadership and direction. And so he shared this short word in a video, and I wanted to share it with you this morning. But if you're a younger person, what a great time to get into the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. American culture has changed. You're there with your energy, your passion, and your love of Jesus to bring help and hope not only to a church, but to the community in which the church resides. We need servant leaders who are going to take the good news of Jesus into their communities. Did you hear what he said there? Like, yes, there is tremendous hope for us who are gathered in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, you have nothing that stands in the way of God's love for you. But more than that, we're also called to take hope to our community. Beyond the four walls, we're called to get out of this building and get involved. It's why this week, when we had more than 100 kids coming into the building, we wanted to show them opportunities to share love outside of the building. And so you walked by it this morning as we had stacks and piles and gigantic amounts of food ready to go back into our community to help and to love people from our community. It's why I, on a cold, frigid summer Friday chose to get into a dunk tank and get dunked more than a hundred times. Not because I love cold water and shivering, but because I wanted us to have an opportunity together to share love with other people. And so we raised more than $750 for our community. We're not keeping that money. We're giving it away, and it's what we're called to do, to share our love to share what we've been given with the people around us, not just the people beside us. In the blog post that same day, President Meyer said he prays that we older church people will fully welcome and bring younger generations, pastors and lay people alike, into the corporate life and leadership of the church, not making them sit at the children's card table, and this, this brings up memories for me, right? Because when you had Thanksgiving dinner, maybe it was like my Thanksgiving dinner, and you spend the whole day with family watching football and you're just praying for a Lions victory, and then you get to the dinner table and all of the adults sit at the nice table with all of the nice fixings and the nice china and dishes and silverware, and then like in the Tupperware containers that, that are like extra... Uh, you give those to the kids' card table because, y'all, we might break them. We're just being honest. But Dale Meyer here says, don't relegate the next generation to the kids' card table. 
Like, we had servant leaders this week who were in middle school and high school enabling us to do VBS. Were they leading perfectly the way that some of our adult volunteers would have led? No. No, they were not. But it was still amazing. We lost zero kids. We had a 100% retaining rate. I mean, it was a good week. We only had a few Band-Aids passed out. But are we enabling this love and this life to the next generation to say, right now, even as a child, you can share love with the next generation and with the people around you? I mean, our kids this week showed it tangibly when they brought in peanut butter and jelly and chili and chunky soup and all sorts of treats to share with people. This really gets to the heart of what Solomon's telling us in the text this morning. He's talking about our lives from young to old. Verse 7 in chapter 11, he says, Light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away every pain from your body for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. And maybe some of those of us who are older this morning can testify to that. Like, was it a little harder to get out of bed today? I gotta be honest, when I was crouching down with the kids uh, for the children's message, I got back up and my knees crickled and, and I sat in the pew and I turned to my wife, I said, Liz, My ankles hurt. Because I'm not made to sit like that for even five minutes. (laughs) Let alone like a kid could be in that position forever. Martin Luther says about this text, Solomon is therefore the best of teachers. He doesn't forbid joys and pleasures. The mind needs to be trained with good sense and ideas so that people are not corrupted by association. I mean, maybe think about it this way. How often in your life have you seen someone get in trouble because they didn't have anything better to do? Or maybe ask yourself, how often have I gotten in trouble because I didn't have anything better to do? I know in my life, it was many, many times. You know, our gospel text this morning talks about how Jesus stayed behind in the city as mom and dad went home. And it reminded me of a time when I was a little kid and I would be shopping in the mall with my mom, which is like the worst thing for a little boy to do. I would start playing a game called hide in the clothing racks. (laughs) And I would find a big clothing rack and I would go inside of it and I would just hide. And I would wait to see how long it took for mom to find me. It's a little different than what Jesus was doing in the gospel text, but but that's what we do. When I don't have anything better to do, I'm going to get into trouble. It's true today. It's why God has given me a wife and three children with a fourth on the way. Like, my hands need to be full so that I don't get into trouble. 
Solomon continues in chapter 12. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the moon and the light and the, and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent. Solomon's talking about how uh, you walk hunched over with a cane. And the grinders cease because they're few. You don't have any teeth left to chew with. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. You know, I used to be able to read this book, but now I need reading glasses. I used to be able to see at night when I was driving, but now I, I probably shouldn't drive on the road. And the doors on the street are shut, and the sound of the grinding is low. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. It was 5.30 this morning when I woke up. My alarm was not set for 5.30. I heard, no joke, a bird outside my window. And I longed for my college days, which I could sleep to the afternoon. I'm like, what is going on? Why can't I live like my daughter who, who can sleep in? One of three sleeps in. I'm praying for three of three, but am I up anyways? And all of the daughters of song are brought low. They're afraid also of what is high. Terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. Desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was, the spirit returns to God who gave it. Solomon talking about from dust we were created and to dust we will return. And this, one of the last things Solomon says in the entire book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. So if everything apart from God is vain and will fade and will fail, we as people need to remind one another, young and old, of the great promises of God. That's our calling and our duty is that God has given us a tremendous love A tremendous love to share with one another and to show one another. One of the early church fathers lived about 1,600 years ago. He said this. Solomon comes to the end of his life and has a conclusion that says, vanity of vanities. And Chrysostom says, let us believe him. Let us lay hold on that in which there is no vanity, in which there is truth. And what is based upon a solid rock where there is no old age nor decline, but all things bloom and flourish without decay or waxing old or approaching dissolution. Let us, I beseech you, love God with genuine affection, not from a fear of hell, but from desire of the kingdom. And he asks, for what is comparable to seeing Christ. And I'd love, if you ponder that question today, 
what is comparable to seeing Christ? Nothing. Nothing. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have shown us, Jesus, that through your son's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave, we've been rescued from sin and death and guaranteed life forever with you. Help us to live that life full of grace and truth as we remind one another of your great love for us, as we show the family and friends and all the people we meet your love and your forgiveness. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen.